Hey there, you're listening to Aspect Ratio, film and video game podcast. This is episode four. Today we're going to be talking about Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Hello everybody, we are your hosts, Spooky Deer. And I'm the Rogers Academy. And this is Aspect Ratio. We're back again with another episode, and today we are talking about the sequel to everyone's favorite animated wall-crawling web-slinger, Spider-Man. But not just any Spider-Man, this is the Miles Morales Spider-Man, and this is Across the Spider-Verse. Ah, this movie's so pretty. It's this so movie good. Is so pretty. <laughs> so it's so nice. pretty. It's so good. But but before we just like just spew G- our guts gush, about, for, gush for yeah, ninety yeah. minutes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We got it. We got to do some housekeeping as always. Um, so I'm just gonna start here. Uh, anything, anything going on crazy with you, Spooky? Oh, always right. No. Um, I'd say it's been it's been a pretty uh typical. Like last couple of weeks since our last recording. Um, no, kinda... you dated us. You dated us. I have to cut the. Oh no! Come on. No, I'm joking. I'm nah. joking. Everybody, you yanking just... my chain. You tricked me. I was like, "Fuck!" Yeah, I actually you, you messed up. You stopped. You stopped recording. You're like, "Oh shit! Oh shit! Oh shit!" Like, <laughs> run it back, folks. We'll just or, take it from the top. No, no, it's yeah. It, it has been a few weeks since we recorded, but to uh, most people, it won't be a few weeks, which is nice. That's true because we're actually on a consistent upload schedule, all to Rodri Dodgeri's credit. Uh, but yeah, no, this the, the this this week has been good. Um, I had a, a you know, for those of you who are aware or maybe unaware, <laughs> I stream on Twitch. It's very cringe. Um, uh, but I did something different. Um, just uh, what was it yesterday? Just yesterday, uh, I was. Cracking open some Magic the Gathering cards on stream. It's not anything that I normally do, but they had a Lord of the Rings set uh, come out. Uh, and as you can tell, I did not open the Willy Wonka Golden Ticket one ring card because we're still recording this and I'm not running yeah. for my life from a bunch <laughs> our, of rich people. <laughs> our, 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 if you pulled that card, the episode would be like, hey, so this is either going to be our full time job or bye bye. I'm not doing this again. <laughs> right. I'm going off the grid. I'm going to yep, yep. live in the woods and just hopefully not be like hunted by Mr. Beast uh, with a crossbow oh or something God. trying to get that card. So, yeah. I broke yeah, even. I broke even on the box, though. So that is that is good, and also like at the end of the day, it was a Lord of the Rings magic set. Like you just wanted that. I just wanted the it's cards. Like, oh yeah, yeah it's, it's not. Fun. It's not even like a, oh the value. It's like no, it's cool, and it looked mm-hmm. like the the cards that I've seen. The art is so good. The art is so nice. good. The way that like like magic has always had like bang and art, but seeing how they choose to interpret like Tolkien stuff, which is like I love the Peter Jackson movies, but I feel like. You almost can't avoid Jacksonifying Lord of the Rings at this point. It's just like so it's yeah, so shared it, in the vision. And like seeing these like artist renderings are so cool. So cool. Because even like Rings of Power and stuff, which is trying to like be its own like thing, still tries a lot to capture those movies. So it's mm-hmm. nice to see like something made today try its own like thing of like capturing the art rather than like being like oh well we'll just make them like the movie tie-in cards or anything right exactly no if it, it all feels really really fresh and i think it's it's uh really clever what they've done and like i was opening the collector cards um so these had even more like alternate like alternative artwork compared to like what the the standard packs would have and everything and they have like different showcase cards and i got a decent chunk of the ones like there's i think like 19 or 20 cards that are borderless and you can actually put them all together and it makes like a large like a larger image with all the cards uh 
nice. put side by side with each other, which was really sick. So uh, yeah. it was a lot of fun. I had a, I had a great time. Um, I miss streaming in the mornings so it was really nice just to like get a it, cup of coffee and be like a little uh more mellow than i usually it, am it is nice because like like it was nice for me like okay so i woke up had to mow the lawn and do like adult life things, but but then i got to tune in just for a little bit i'm like oh yeah i kind of miss the whole like just tune in to your friend streaming in the morning rather than like late at night and being like all right it's going into the like my my nightly ritual now right it's like you're, you're cutting into my wind down time man like right out, yeah. call it a night. <laughs> yeah, Spooky, stop streaming. Stop I streaming, know. Spooky. Just retire, Spooky. <laughs> yeah, pull it the wiring, Spooky. I was trying. I was trying to retire. You know, I have a few. I have a few more packs on their way. It, so we'll see. It, it does. It does make me laugh though, because it's like by opening those packs on stream, there is that whole like. If you did pull that one ring, it becomes such like a how many people turn on that in your chat? Like how many people let the like corruption come in and just uh-huh. be like, where oh. my real friends at? Or is like everyone yeah. gonna fucking try to Boromir my ass? <laughs> yeah, like just I tried everyone to take the goes, ring from Spooky. I'm so sorry. Like it's like, uh, you you uh you got some of that money for me? I'm one of your long term chatters. <laughs> <laughs> um, which that's not. I don't think anyone would everyone in that community is pretty pretty tight with you. It's just it's always interesting cuz like there is the whole like once money starts getting into it. Oh, it gets so it gets so weird. Yeah, yeah I was like yeah. I, I like my, I made my stream title. It was like clickbaity. I was like the stream ends if I open the one ring, but it wasn't clickbait. I was going to follow through on that. Like if I pulled the card, I was going to go ah! and then just cut stream and be like y'all aren't yep. going to see me for a while cuz I may have just ruined my life live on camera. Yep. Um Yeah. <laughs> so but, it goes. Uh, would be really stressful and you know what i'm just glad that you know all the episodes that we recorded so far that lord of the rings has been a part of it me too it just kind of continues to contextualize it we just have to find a way to bring it up at least once per episode right yeah and i i, I mean we will have a moment where we we actually just discuss those movies and lord of the rings in general because it is so good it's, so good so any you were you were literally just watching two towers and yeah sending me it and i just kept quoting it back I know, like, it I, was awesome. like i i knew the inflection i knew the word i just knew i knew every beat and i'm like oh man i'm really i'm just i'm ingrained into this what i what I, I said like this is like i'm like so this is what snapchat is for like i get it now because i was just yeah i was literally just recording my tv sending you stuff and like you'd you were immediately like tweeting respond. the movie to me just yeah, personally basically <laughs> yeah and like like even before the line hits for me you're like Looks like he can't out his grog. <laughs> <laughs> Give him some medicine. Give boys. him some medicine, boys. <laughs> yeah. What is it? What do you smell? <laughs> Man Man <of> fish. <laughs> it's my favorite line as oh, a kid. Oh, that shit. That it. shit slaps. I, and I love the the one where the guy dubs like just normal voices over it. What is it? What do you smell? Man flesh. Man have you? Flesh. Do you know what I'm talking? Do you even know what I'm yeah. talking about? Okay, good. I I know you're talking. I haven't watched a lot of it, but I do know what you're talking about. Uh, shit's so funny. Uh, but anyways, we're not here to talk about Lord of the Rings, are we? We're not. We're not. Not today. We have something else more exciting to talk about. Um, oh, is is it that 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 Marvel Cinematic Universe thing? Oh no, wait, it's the other Marvel. It's the other, yeah, the Sony uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, let's go. <laughs> Which oh. I gotta say, I'm more of a fan of with how things have been going. So you're a fan of Morbius? Oh, it's Morbin time, baby. I love Morbin. <laughs> I love Morbin. Ugh. But I'm, cra- I'm craving to be Morbin, you know, and and you know I'm just gonna use the, my venom to 
<laughs> Where are we going? Where is this I going? I don't know. Uh, and I, you know, I'm a vulture for these movies. <laughs> I, I hate it here. <laughs> yeah, I, I quit. Uh, but, but no, we are going to be talking about Spider-Man. But we do have our prompt of the day, and we prompt have of our, the day, baby. And we have our question that we're both going to answer, and then we'll start swinging it, swinging into Spider-Man. And this prompt does relate to Spider-Man, or just the movie Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. So. Uh, Spooky, why do you think people, in this case adults really, write off animated movies as for kids only instead of just another medium to celebrate storytelling? I saw this in our like pre-show document and I was so, because we're organized, and I was like, damn, that's a good, that's a good question. And I'm glad that we're going to be able to like take some time to unpack it because I think it's confusing. I mean, I guess I'm in a, I'm in a bit of a, like an echo chamber with, like the film discourse that I choose to, I yeah. guess, en- engage with, right? And like you know, you and I share similar opinions on this. We're like animated movies slap. In fact, they slap so hard that we have spent fifty percent of this show's runtime yeah. talking about animated movies so far. The p- part of the reason why this whole thing started was because of an animated movie. Yeah, like, Puss in Boots like, slapped so hard. We were like, we need, <laughs> we need to sit down and talk about this. At I want to talk about it and record it and like that. That was, and Puss in Boots was in, talked about, was the Spider-Verse effect. So when this came out, I'm like, we're going to talk about this movie. There's no way we uh, can't. Uh, uh, but to go back to go back to the question, I mean, it's like, I think, yeah, there are a lot of people that write off animated films um, as just for kids. And I don't know what that is generationally that <clears throat> has caused it. I don't know who to blame for it. Because it's like, I mean, we all grew up watching animated movies, right? Like. Well, to, to give a to give a just a little bit of context to why I chose this question too is that uh, two years ago the Oscars where there was the the Will Smith slap which that was that the story that took over that was two like, years ago I'm sorry continue oh, well it's like a year I can't yeah. it, it was just two Oscars ago or like not this last Oscar but the Oscars before right but the one of the things um, that that Oscars it, that Will Smith slap kind of covered up a lot of the issues of it because one of the things was is there was a joke. Uh, I think it was Amy Schumer of all people that made the joke. That was like the whole, like for the anim- best animated feature was just like, Oh, and you know, like these movies are just for kids so we can sleep in the movie theater and all this stuff. And it, it's that whole, like there's this public image where it's like, Oh, animation is just dumb things for kids. So our kids can enjoy it. Well, we can just kind of like, you know, be mind to turn our brain off and just be mindless for like two hours. And it's like, it's been a discourse for like the entire time animated movies are have been around because I've see a lot of on social media in person, all this where people are like, they're just like, Oh, like I can watch it as long as it's not animated. I don't do the animated stuff. And I'm like, what a boring, like way to like, what a sad existence. Wait. Okay. My tinfoil hat is going on now as you're like talking about this. I'm like, is this why Disney is making those like soulless live action remakes? Because they're like, because they're like, Oh, we need to take more money from like 30 and 40 year olds uh, and they're so like nostalgia poisoned that they'll watch this. But they also hate animated movies now or they don't want to feel immature. So we're going to give them a photorealistic Sebastian the Crab singing under the sea. But it's funny because it's still animated. Like the yeah. Lion King live action, like the Lion King quote unquote live action movie was animated. Like right. those, that was all CGI and that's animation. <laughs> right. Like, but it's just, is it just because it like has more textures and like a little less 
personality in it. Like well, it, it, it kind of goes back to the whole like where people complain about like the Nintendo Switch and Tears of the Kingdom, where it's like, oh, this looks so crappy compared to like you know modern games like Ghost of Tsushima and The Last of Us and all this stuff, where these things look like super hyper real. And it's like, yeah, but art direction typically triumphs just over realistic over yeah, pure like, realism it's a race to the bottom right now i mean if you're just trying to make shit look real like we're already there that's boring i want like yeah. i want creative choices to be made yeah and for like people to kind of like stretch and expand their horizons and like actually be creative but we're getting off the prompt again because i'm just complaining well i it's like <laughs> i do think it is related to the prompt though because i like in what i just said with tears of the kingdom and uh uh you know, modern gaming mm-hmm. is that like in 10 years, a lot of these quote unquote modern games are going to look aged and mm-hmm. bad because we've now enhanced technology to a newer level. Whereas tears of the kingdom will always look good because it's an, it's a art style and choice that applies to the whole game. It'll right. never look worse than that because it already looks good and it's always going to hold that level. Right. It's the same argument. It's the same thing. Like, you know, it's the Wind Waker effect, right? Like, yeah. Wind Waker still looks good, however many years old it is now, for the same reason. It had a very consistent, unique look to it. And it holds up well even now because it was just so intentional. Yeah. Right? So, going back to the prompt and kind of going back to more of your answer, it's like, why do we think that with animated movies and animation, people write this off? even though it's like widely celebrated by a lot of people. And I just like, I just really, I'm not sure. I mean, it's like, I know like we, we were raised watching animated movies. I think there seems Mm -hmm. to be this lean to like, Oh, if there's like bright colors and like a bunch of stuff going on on the screen, it's not like, what is it? Is it not mature enough? Is it not like, what are people, what are people, what are these adults? uh, Scare quotes. What are these adults (laughs) looking for? in their entertainment that they assume they are making the assumption animation can't provide is it marker is it like the marketing that's to blame is it what you know I- so my like my two theories are there's the i think we have the wave of animation that's kind of the, the corporate animation which i consider the illumination animated movies uh-huh because there's like the Secret Life of Pets, Sing, Minions, Despicable Me, now the Super Mario Brothers movie. And it's where it looks good, but it's so manufactured just to like be a quick in and out 80, 90 minute thing. And there's really not a lot of substance to it. And it really is kind of the just turn off your brain and go watch it. Mm-hmm. And it's typically very pleasing for kids because it's a high stimulative colors and all this stuff. And I think that has been pushed so much by, you know, certain studios and corporate that like that can make people go, oh, well, if that's what this is, it's dumb. And so immediately turns them off to other things. Whereas like if, you know, well, Disney's under a pretty strict light these days for a lot of things like, you know, the early Pixar, the like. Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, like original Little Mermaid animated movies were widely beloved and celebrated because they were relatable through all ages. Mm -hmm. And so I think we're in that weird 20 year times period where like because we're getting so much, there's also like the MCU-ifiedness of like animated movies where there's kind of just that 
one or two types of anime movies that just kind of are checkbox, like they yeah, check the boxes, everything. Churning, churning them out. And so I think that's why like people go, Oh, I don't want to deal with animated. And it's like, so when someone makes something different with animation, it takes a lot to convince that person. Yeah. Even though it's like, typically when you do convince that person, they go, wow, that was actually really good because we even talked about this, like Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. It was the best Pinocchio thing of last year when there was like 50 Pinocchio. <laughs> when we had a, a critical mass of Pinocchio, like yeah. entering the public domain. Yeah. Um, and then like, you know, stop motion animation, like Wes Anderson's Isle of Dogs and fantastic Mr. Fox are also widely beloved because there is such a uniqueness to them that it's mm-hmm. like, I think the problem is, is that, and then there's also the Ghibli movies as well, which are like typically the highest held to the highest honor of like animation is that there's either the, it's too artsy fartsy for some. And then there's also just like, there's not enough exposure to it that it takes actually like sitting people down to experience it. And when they're all they've been experienced to is stuff that's kind of just in one ear out the other, they're just like, Oh, it's dumb kids crap. And it's like, it's such a way to generalize that. Yeah. That it's, it's, it's just, it's frustrating that it's like you have decided to label it as something. So you've made it really hard to actually understand how impactful it can be. Right. And I think, yeah, and I think it's just the, the, the overgeneralization of like, Oh, it, it looks like this. There's no way it can have any substance. Cause I feel like the same thing kind of happened. This is where I'm going to feel old again. The same thing kind of happened though, like sort of in like the mid nineties, Mm-hmm. Um, like late eighties, mid nineties, where there was like a, a time where animation kind of took like a dark, like a darker turn for a little yeah. bit, you know, like Disney experimented with it with things like the black cauldron, which if you don't know the black cauldron, the I, movie is simultaneously terrible and also bangs. Um, yep. but then there was also this like subset of <clears throat> animation done being done by like Ralph Bakshi and yep. oh, I'm, I'm forgetting. Well, like, and the, there's like the all dogs go to heaven kind of thing where it's like, it has that traditional 2D animation, but it go, it deals with so much like heavier themes, like yeah. And I think a um, lot of those, and I think a lot of those movies got wrote off because they look like oh, it just looks like another like Disney movie knockoff, and then you actually watch it, you're like Jesus, this is crazy. So I think on one hand, people are still being reductive about animation, you know, in 2023. But as we're going to talk about in a little bit, I mean. I think people are starting to figure it out with some of these movies because like Spider-Verse is exploding in theaters and that's part, that's part IP to thank for it, you know, just because yep. it is Spider-Man, but it's also like, you know, a lot of people I, are seeing well, this cause it's, it's I, actually just good. And, and I, I joke about the whole, like, Oh, you're dating the episode and all this stuff. But like right now the movie just with this weekend reclaimed number one at the box office. And that was with a, DC's The Flash coming out. That was with a Pixar movie coming out. That mm-hmm. was with the Transformers movie coming out. That was with all these other movies coming out. And it's still like, it, it, like you know, the first weekend it exploded. The second and third weekend it didn't take the top spot, but it was still close behind. And then it came back and took the top spot. It means that people would rather go see this again or see it for the first time than any of these other big budget movies. Oh, which any is of these like other saying like a lot. Fran- like all the, these other yeah. franchises that I think are going through this kind of like in shitification process of like. Yeah it's all in this like big studio churn. And like, obviously this is from a big studio as well, but I feel like they kind of had the reins taken off a little bit. And mm-hmm. I think it's, it's paying forward. I think again, I'm diverging from the prompt a little bit, but I, I, I hope this is like my hope. My hope is that like the, su- the success and uniqueness of something like spider verse is going to maybe open up a reckoning where 
some more creative freedom is allowed in how to yeah. approach things. And I think that we are already seeing that pay for it because I mean, Puss in Boots replicated a it lot was- of these animation techniques that the first Spider-Verse yeah. kind of like demonstrated, like- right? Because because the the first Spider Verse really showed like hey you could do this mixing of art styles all in one thing and two D and three D art and doing all these like messing with the frame rate messing with all this and doing its own unique thing rather than being like the the kind of Disney Pixar everything kind of all looks the same because it's supposed to be like this animated realism where like everyone looks like real things but still animated. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was definitely when twenty eighteen came out very like kind of broke through and was like, wow, this is like something totally different that we haven't seen before. And then Puss in Boots went in production, did that. We have a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie coming out that looks very like Spider-Verse art style yeah. where it's doing that comic booky and directed kind of by Seth for- Rogen. What? <laughs> it's, I don't think it's Taylor. Really, I think he's I think he's just a producer. Is he a producer? On- okay. His name's yeah. all over it, so I was confused. Yeah. I think he's just the main one producing it, which is cool. Yeah. Um but the it is just something where I'm like, it's cool to see it impacting and it's cool to see this movie do so well because I think with the Marvel Cinematic Universe not really doing the best right now, it's still making a lot of money, but it's not that making like gargantuan amounts of money like before mm-hmm. that I really kind of hope moving forward where it's like, hey, superheroes don't necessarily need to be like comic book movies don't need to be photorealistic all the time. Like we can start bleeding into animation or cross animating with live action. We can start experimenting with this because really, if you think about a comic book, it is animate. Like you're looking at animation. Someone drew it and you're flipping through a comic book. So this is probably, you can make the argument. This is the best comic book adaptation because it's actually a comic book. Right. It 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 actually like honor, it honors the medium a little bit more. Like it honors the roots that, uh, this entire, it like industry has built itself up around that is it's been divorcing itself from more and more as time goes on like i even think like back when the like first like ang lee hulk movie came out in like 2002 or whatever like mm-hmm. say what you will about that movie but like ang lee tried to make it um comic booky yeah and it, it, I, it worked in parts and it didn't work in other parts but you know there was still like that Exp- that experimentation was being done of like how do we do this and i think that the, at least it's it's more interesting even if the experiment doesn't fully pay off to try to do something different rather than just like we're going to make it a normal movie I, quote unquote with <laughs> i i think that hulk movie even if it was the same movie would be received better today because it would have been so different mm-hmm. whereas back then that was kind of back when like we weren't getting an influx too much influx of comic book movies so when they were not as fun it was definitely like oh i don't like this whereas like now i think the more serious weirdness of it would have been appreciated by more people yeah um but yeah i going finishing up the prompt because we're obviously kind of bled into spider we're 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 teetering on the edge of just like let's get into the meat of the sandwich yeah um but i do think that these movies have definitely helped kind of because i think when people say oh, I don't deal with the animated stuff. It's like, okay, I don't care that you do, don't deal with it. This is like the exception to the rule. You need to like go see this. And then that helps break through. But it is still, I know people put that foot down on it where they're like, no, I don't care to see it. Or no, it wasn't that good because it was animated. And it's like, what a just annoying, boring way to like look at art 
Just right. Like, no, it has to be live action. It has to look like me to be real. Yeah. Where are the people? <laughs> like, yeah. I don't. Yeah. I feel like just let yourselves live a little bit. Like, I think it's amazing that humans yeah. are so drawn to like make this like kind of visually unique stuff. There's stuff that you can do in animation that cannot be done in a way that sells in like a lot, a traditional like live action type of movie. Yeah. So I think we've kind of covered our bases with this. So I think it's time that we, uh, switch into our main meat of the sandwich, as you said. And we, uh, we talk about Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. For years, I've been taking care of this little boy. Making sure he is loved. That he feels like he belongs wherever he wants to be. He wants to go out into the world and do great big things. Not bad, kid. And what I worry about most I love you, Miles. Is they won't look out for you like us. Miles! Wanna get out of here? Wherever you go from here, you have to promise to take care of that little boy for me. Make sure he never forgets where he came from. And he never doubts that he is loved. And he never lets anyone tell him that he doesn't belong there. You gotta promise, Miles. I promise. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse was released on June 2nd, 2023. This movie has grossed over $500 million worldwide so far, and it's just on a budget of $100 to $150 million. This is a sequel to 2018's critically acclaimed Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Spoiler warning ahead. Spoiler warning. You have been warned because this movie is in theaters currently and is being talked about. If you haven't seen it, this is your time to bail out. And right. Go and see once it again, before. if you've made if you've made it this far into a podcast specifically talking about a movie you haven't seen yet, you may have rescinded your right for to, yeah. to complain about spoilers at the door. But it, true. But it's also <laughs> like, hey, we were listening because we were curious. This is just saying what we think of the movie is. Go see it before hearing yeah, about it. Go see it and then come. You can listen to this on your drive home from the theater, okay? Yeah, yeah. So, spoilers. Thank you for listening this far. I'm doing thumbs up, but you can't see me. I, I was I was nodding vigorously, which you also can't see. Um, so, so um, with Spider Man Across the Spider Verse, very good. That's my immediate thing I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, however, the I was fucking excited for this movie. I get really careful with being super excited for movies because I think we hype things up to and build expectations when we write what the movie will be in our head yes. that it lets us down typically. And I've learned that over the past few years that I just need to calm down and just go <laughs> see movies. Like stop trying to watch the trailer a billion times. Just go see the movie. Enjoy it for what it is. And it's worked really well for me. Yeah. It just, is, yeah. Kind of, kind of take yourself out it, of that like hype machine and yeah. I think you can be more objective when you go and see something then too, because you're because not like getting fed it, in by the and marketing. If it does, and if it does something that you weren't expecting, you're not judging it. you're like, oh, I, that's not what I was expecting. I don't like that. It's just let it do its thing and figure out how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, however, for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, I 
adore the first movie so much. It is one of my favorite movies of all time. I think it is a beautiful piece of art from start to finish. It doesn't have any bad aspect of it. Everything works. Everything just pops. Everything is just so fucking good Mm -hmm. that I saw it and about 20 minutes into the run, like I saw it on opening night, 20 minutes into the runtime of the movie, I mentally had a note that just went, I think this is the best Spider-Man movie ever made. I was like, I hundred percent. I was like, it it has to do a lot to break that, but I'm like, it's 20 minutes in. I'm like, I don't like this, this, this is the best Spider-Man movie ever made. And it kept going. I'm like, this is the best Spider-Man movie ever. And then I'm like, no, this isn't just the best spider This is like the best superhero movie. And then I'm like, no, this might just be one of the best movies ever made. This might be one of the best movies ever made. (laughs) It's something. So here's what's so crazy to me. First of all, you know, when, when we did the little intro bit for the movie, I'm still kind of fucked up that Into the Spider-Verse came out in 2018. <laughs> That's a di- that, that was a different world, man. Like things yeah. have like I didn't realize it had been that long and like I was when I sat down into the theater to see Across the Spider-Verse just a couple weeks ago, I was like, "Yeah, oh man, it was really great. It was really fun to to see Into the Spider-Verse not that long ago. I'm glad we got a sequel so quick. It's been <laughs> 5 years yeah. since the first one and it's kind of fun. Like I, I think I, I need to go back. I kind of want to watch these like back to back in some way yeah, because, it's great. like, because I fully agree. I mean, here's the thing. Like, I, I, I've not made it a secret on this podcast that I'm pretty over the like superhero movie industrial complex, but, <laughs> um, I gotta say, I the same the same feeling hit me in Into the Spider Verse, and it hit me again. Uh, when I was seeing Across the Spider-Verse, like, like you said, like 10, 20 minutes in, I, I leaned back in my super cozy theater chair and I just went, God, I fucking love Spider-Man. <laughs> I've always loved Spider-Man so much. Yeah. And like for all the faults of like the, the industry and like how much money it makes and whatever, like there is still something just like deep down, like I just fucking love spider-man and what a gift that the best spider-man movies get to be the ones that center on miles morales as well yes um it is just so good and it's not even just like it is centered on miles morales but like all the supporting characters are so important it's like and they all get their own room to breathe too like this is another one of those things where you're they're juggling a lot and it doesn't feel daunting you know it doesn't feel like anyone is like getting the short straw as needed so yeah i i applaud how these movies are made i also like the second i walked out of the movie the first time i just went how was this made like how did this get made like Mm -hmm. how like how did this actually like i don't understand how this like how did this not take 500 years to make because my mind's boggled what's like how do you even conceptualize like some of like this like across the spider-verse i would say even more so than into the spider-verse yes is so much more visually experimental and freewheeling with how they choose to do things like it it takes on a darker tone for sure and i think that that kind of helps but like they like frame to frame scene to scene like you'll be in the same scene with a conversation with two characters and i'm sure we're going to probably talk about one of these sequences but like everything is just bleeding and like dripping color and it is so evocative i don't know uh i i i think the thing is is that 
The movie is so experimental and has so many crazy ideas happening, but it never loses sight of what's important in the mm-hmm. moment. Like, they, like it never, nothing crazy happens where the person gets pulled out and go, oh, wow, that's a weird thing happening on screen. They're like, they're engaged with the story beats that are happening. Yeah. And it's, it's always cool. driving it forward. Yeah. yeah like, it's never just done out of like, oh, that's neat. It's always done out of like, no, this is purposefully done to tell this story. And it's it's crazy how much it happens in the movie and it never takes away because we'll get into it a little later. But like there is essentially a 30 minute sequence in this movie that is technically could be considered all just fan service and like nostalgia bait and all this stuff. But it's never that it's mm-hmm. never that it's so ingrained into like an actual plot point that it's just insane that like wow what would be the stand in applause moment in like an avengers movie this is like the most like gripping narrative moment here Mm -hmm. um but i love the first movie i think it is a beautiful work of art it is a great character story it's a relatable for everyone and anyone Mm -hmm. and there's a beautiful message about like anyone can be spider-man and it's amazing the music's amazing. The animation's amazing. The voice acting's amazing. Like every part about it is just amazing. And I was so happy that it got the love it deserved. And I was very happy it was getting a sequel, but I was also very nervous it was getting a sequel. Cause I was like, what are they going to do? <laughs> can they lightning strike twice in a bottle? Cause uh, I don't know. Spoiler. It can, uh, it, it can. can, it can, it did. Um, if, if I'm going to give I'm going to give my 30 second review of Across the Spider-Verse. Yeah. So this, if we, if this, we haven't been gushing about it enough already. I'm just going to tell you. So my exact this, this is your initial thoughts walking out of the theater. Yeah. Walk, so walking out of the theater, these words left my mouth. Like I said this out loud to just the people around me. I was like, that movie could have been seven and a half hours long and I would still happily be in that theater. The movie could have just kept going. And it, you know, we're talking about like it is so visually stunning. They're packing so much information into it in a frame by frame basis. And yet I was never once uh, I never felt overstimulated by it. I never felt like I was not taking in the important stuff that they wanted to to convey to me. I want to go back and watch it again so that I can see anything like in the margins that I missed. But I was so locked in and like, it's so funny. I mean, again, here's spoilers. This, this across the spider verse, totally um, uh, pirates of the Caribbean dead man's chest itself, where it is like, it is setting up for a third movie um, very clearly. And I knew that going in and I also completely forgot it because I was so taken by what was happening at all times. And I was like, I was like, damn, we've been in here for, you know, like two hours, 15 minutes, whatever. I was like, they got a lot of shit to wrap up in the next, like, 15 minutes. Uh, and then it was like, to be continued. Like, damn. They should have just made this a 10-hour movie. And the, I would the, just the, I would just rot in my chair watching so, it. So bring, bring that up is I've seen so many memes and videos of people freaking out about the to be continued. And I'm like, here's, the, here's how you know the movie's good, is when people freak out about that. Because it's uh-huh. not... It's not a to be continued like, oh, man, I got to wait for the next one. Kind of like, oh, like they couldn't just finish this all as one movie type of thing. It's a to be continued. It's like, no, I need it now. I like what? Like, you can't you can't do this to me. <laughs> you I can't, was so leave, you can't leave me waiting. And, and I, I've never seen a collective of like a, just a hive mind of people all kind of go. Yeah, if the movie was six hours, I would have sat through it all. Like, because it, it, typically 
two hours and like 22 minutes, which I think is the runtime, is too much for people. People don't want, typically don't like sitting that long. So it's funny yeah. that like this movie is getting such like a, yeah, I would have sat there for like five hours, six hours. I don't care. Yeah, just, just, just hit, hit me with an intermission. Like we're watching Titanic on VHS and we got to put the other tape in. Give me like 10 minutes to like have a pee and then yep. I'll, I'm right back in, you know? Yeah, it, it is great to see that response. It's also really funny to just see people absolutely freak out. Just be like, what do you mean? Should we continue? Yeah, what right. Do you mean? It's like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Of course, they're going to make another one. <laughs> Some people um, like to critique that. Oh, it's not that great of it. Like, it's still a good movie, but it's not as great because it has a TV continue. Because it's like, what if the second part isn't as good? So does that like deflate the first part? However, uh, going into how the movie starts, it has like a prologue of like 15 to 20 minutes, all focused on Gwen. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the movie as Gwen's movie, it actually does have a start, middle and end. Yeah, it ties up it a d- full it, story in there. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that the to be continued is kind of jarring because it's just text on the screen that says to be continued. So your brain's like, oh, it didn't end. However, there is an ending. It's just it. There's just saying there's going to be more. Exactly. I mean, it's like, I don't know. I th- I think that is one of the things that makes this one hold itself better than kind of like other trilogy bridging movies. I'll mm-hmm. reference Pirates of the Caribbean again, because like Dead Man's Chest is a fun movie, but everything that happens in it could be removed <laughs> and the story would still end up like the same. And it like there's like very little consequence that happens mm-hmm. uh, in Dead Man's Chest. It's just like, a lot of set pieces to get you to the third movie. Right. The yeah. thing that Across the Spider-Verse does effectively is, like you said, it is kind of Gwen's movie. I would say that Miles is more of an ancillary character for most of... I would say for like a, a solid percentage of well, I, Across. It is, a very, it is a very close 50-50 movie for both yeah. their movies because like the prologue is almost 20 minutes and it's just her and her world. And then Miles essentially has his prologue, which is like a good 20 to 35 minutes. And then then it's kind of like they're both together doing things so they're then they're together on screen for most of the rest of the movie so mm-hmm. it's like and then they both have their own separate scenes near the end and then it ends on Gwen so it's just like it it is very much a shared movie in a lot of ways it is Gwen's movie because it starts with her and it ends with her right um however um so speaking of Gwen uh why is her world so fucking pretty to look at? Oh my god! <laughs> this, is the, this is the exact. Uh, this is the exact scene that I was thinking about with, like how they're doing so much visually unique in literally a scene by scene basis. So I need to stop saying spoiler warning because we've already warned. The, we've warned. You've yeah. been warned of spoilers. But, but, but your brain is like, oh, but I don't want to ruin. Like, oh, I don't want to. I'm like, I'm programmed and like not want to ruin this stuff for people. But you're you're fucking locked in now. You're going to ruin yeah. it for you. Um. Towards the anyway, the end, spoiler warning. Right, but so anyway, spoiler warning. Towards the <laughs> end of the film, when um, Gwen is kind of like reconciling with her dad, um, that whole that whole scene is just so incredible. How like everything starts just washing away in the apartment yep. into watercolor, and then they start washing away into watercolor. Like their character models change like entirely during that sequence and like the lighting is so evocative and the colors are so evocative and it's just like i love looking at this (laughs) and and then then when when 
Captain Stacy, or actually no longer Captain no, Stacy. No, right. well, 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 we'll get into why that's important, but the uh, Gwen and her dad hug, it turns very bright white with pink everywhere, mm-hmm. and it's a very beautiful like image, and the writers said that Gwen's world is supposed to be like a mood ring, so it changes based off the mood, and if, you know, if you know anything about mood ring colors, it's like, so in the scene early in the movie where her dad finds out she's spider woman and then is like, Hey, I need you to be my dad and take care of me. He's like, goes with his ideology of a cop first and Mm -hmm. tries and arrest his daughter. He like the, the colors keep changing to these very dark, like red and Mm -hmm. black and all these things that are just so much more like clearly like it's anxiety and it's heavy tumultuous. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's just so great because it's like that stuff is happening constantly and it is very noticeable, but it's never distracting. It just adds to the scene. And that's right. why it's, I talk about where it's like, it's like, there's so much going on, but it's never like, oh my God, that's neat. It's just like, holy shit. Like this is so like right. heavy. They're, they're using it in a, exactly the same way that a good film should use its score. Is it kind of, it's you're, you're trying to guide the audience on this like emotional journey and I think that what is making this movie so striking is it's not often done visually and in a way yeah. that is both so in your face, but also not obtrusive where it's just like, and maybe other people feel differently. Maybe, maybe some people are like, oh, I'm being hit over the head with what I should do. But I, for as far as I'm concerned, having I mean, it, this kind of like full, like sensory experience of this the journey this that movie, goes on is great. This movie is receiving like some backlash, but it's really from a small community that has problems with other things in the movie. And that's, mm, its own, mm. that's its own problem. And I don't really want to take the time to acknowledge that because I think it's just, you're dumb and you have stupid brain and whatever. Agreed. But universally, this movie is either liked or really it's beloved. Like already a lot of people consider it a classic and a masterpiece and all the nice words you can apply to it. Um, but I think what's so just impressive is just how much you can catch on repeat viewings, but also how much you just get told in one viewing mm-hmm. and just how like there's so it's so like, the pacing is so fast in a lot of ways, but it never like loses mo- like loses those character moments because I think one of the best scenes in the whole movie is when Miles and his mom are on the rooftop mm-hmm. and talking. And it's like, typically these moments are ruined by a dumb joke. And like a lot of these Marvel movies, they're ruined by like just a weird amount of cringe or just something where yeah. it's like, Oh, we can't, Man, we, can't we hate, we hate quipping. Don't we? It's, I feel like the, we, we bring this up in like almost every episode where it's like, they fucking come in and they quip and it, it cuts out all the emotional it, work it, that there, has been done. There is, there is good quipping. And a lot of the times in a lot of these bigger movies, they're not done well because it feels like they're just trying to insert a joke uh-huh. rather than have it serve. Because there is a joke in the scene where it, where she she's like like and you know like telling him all these nice things like you're gonna go out in the world and i worry about you but all the and it's this very beautiful moment but then she's like but you're gonna and he's like you know but you're gonna come back to me you promise and he's like i promise and he's like and you better bring two cakes like a, a nice cake this time yeah. like an actual nice cake and it's like that's funny it's funny but, it's continu- but in context it's it makes sense and it's mm-hmm. it, it's emotionally charged by everything else so it's like and it's still so problem. real too because it's like that's i mean 
you know, that's, that's how people I joke Idaho. in serious moments. People yeah. have like things to say, like it's not all serious and brooding. It's not all quippy all the time. Right. It's like you can cut the tension and still have it be meaningful. And that's exactly like yeah. what that line is. Yeah. Um, and they have a very similar thing later when Gwen's like, I'm going to go find miles. Miles's mom does the same thing where it's like, you know, when you find him, tell him five months and also <laughs> that we love him. And it's like, it's like, that's funny, but it's also like, it's a touching thing. It's like, that's why I'm like, I hope movies look at this and go, Hey, why does the comedy work so well in here? It's because it's, it's, it's in context, really funny, but it never loses sight of what's going on. Right. It's, it, it, it's, it's all about carrying the emotional beats forward first. And it's just, it's just good writing. You yeah. know, the screenwriters uh, are just good <laughs> on spider verse and you know, not everyone's built the same. It's okay. <laughs> yep. Um, so I think Peter Parker as a fantastic character in all like comics history and everything. And I think he's always going to be a very relatable character for everyone. However, God damn, these two movies do make it seem like is Miles Morales going to be the Spider-Man moving forward? Like, is this the one that like everyone is just going to be like, yeah, this is the best Spider-Man? Because it's like after watching these two movies, you're like, it's really hard to be like, yeah, Peter Parker is better than Miles. Morales. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, it's like, he, like, he, he, like he, Peter Parker is great. It's not saying he's bad. It's just really hard to be like, mm, Peter Parker is better. It's like, mm, I don't I, know. It's like, I don't know. It's like, I think they I, I, I really like this kind of like the, the older Peter Parker and like miles relationship instead, because I, I honestly like miles is so compelling. I think Peter Parker works as like a lot of like early comic book protagonists do is like, he can mm-hmm. be a foil for a lot of people. If you look like me. Um, and I think that it's just like, it's just not the case as much anymore. It's not as, I don't think it's as needed. We don't need like, like another like white dude main character kind of generic, like, Oh, I'm sort of broke, but also whatever. And like, and like the, the main thing with Peter Parker and like, this goes back to like the, the Steve Ditko, Jack Kirby, Stanley mm -hmm. stuff is that the whole idea of Spider-Man was to be, it's someone that isn't like super rich, super attractive, super whatever. It's, they're supposed to be, generic but it's the fact that anyone can be this and that's right. why like the whole message of spider-man is like anyone can be spider-man anyone that's can why be spider-man yeah when spider the first spider-verse that was the final message i'm like oh my god this is like the best spider-man thing ever because they get exactly what spider-man's supposed to be they, and they hit so, right at the core of like i yeah. think why it is so appealing to everyone everyone loves spider-man yeah and i think you know going into what this movie does is what's so beautiful is that there is a lot of relatable things that on for us, we are two white guys. I know we don't show our faces, but we are, t- we are two white guys behind these. <laughs> I mic, would say, so. Im- imagine, <laughs> imagine two white guys with a podcast. You're probably yep. pretty close. <laughs> You're looking at 90% of the podcast out there. Uh, <laughs> the thing is, is that this movie and these movies have, you know, non-white, non-white main protagonists mm-hmm. through like like the, the first movie has more white character but the the cross spider-verse has you know there's peter b parker later in the movie and like all the spider-man in the spider society but for most of the movie there aren't really any white characters and it's like i know some people are gonna be like oh like whatever they're trying to be what i fuck it shut up please this stop. fucking dog but, whistle is hey, yeah. in the room with us yeah ha- like however it's like that means there are several thousands to millions of people watching this movie going 
oh wow, that person that get to, is like they me. They get to That's see me. themselves. Yeah, yeah, they get and, to see themselves like, as Spider Man in like a realer way than ever before. And, and that's so important. And like, I don't need to be like, oh, like, like, oh, wow, what about so, me? Like, like, it's about me. I can just be like, I can be like, wow, I'm so happy that more people get to see themselves in this position on screen mm-hmm. in such a large format. And I think one of the big things this movie has as a talking point is that there is a lot of speculation and theory and really it's not even speculation and theory because of how much the movie shows it mm-hmm. is that Gwen Stacy is trans because Gwen Stacy in her world has a protect trans kids sign in her room. All her watercolors and her suit color are essentially the trans flag color. And then like her dad on the cop jacket has the trans flag. And there is a lot of stuff where it's like, that's not being an ally at that point. That's having a family member who's mm-hmm. trans type of, and like everything about her is everything about her story is about coming out and telling right. the truth and, and having identity and like knowing yourself and finding yourself. And it's like, even if the movie, like the next movie never was like, Oh yeah, I'm trans. It's the fact it doesn't is, have like, to, it doesn't, it, I think, it, I think it would be undercutting it if it did do that in a lot yeah, of ways. It, unfortunately, like there is like, Again, I'm trying not to give too much acknowledgement right. here, but it's like there's a group of people. It's like, well, the movie never explicitly said it, so she's not trans. It's like, so that's why I'm like, I'm fine if they were because yeah, yeah, like, yeah, because like, people need to like, just hear it verbatim. Yeah. yeah. However, I do think like the the trans allegory is there, and it's very important, and that's a lot of like representation for people as well especially being the other main character of the movie being Mm -hmm. that so your main character is a hispanic black spider-man and a trans a trans woman spider woman and it's like those are your two main characters and it's like in this big blockbuster movie that's doing numbers and that fucking world rips i like yeah yeah (laughs) it's 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 crazy and it's great and i love it and like so for context my my partner that I'm with, they are trans and they, I when I took them to see this movie. They were like, Oh my God. Like the representation of this movie is amazing. And I'm just feel so overwhelmed by how like much of this movie like did for me. Like how I'm much like, you, you feel so I, seen, right? Like, and, and I, and I love it because it's like, I can't necessarily relate to that. However, I can like feel the energy and mm-hmm. like how palpable it is, like how important it is. And that's like, that's why it makes me even love the movie even more. Yeah. Um, and I, it's like I have so, to say too. It's like I feel like the the Gwen Stacy story. Like I, okay, I'm like I'm a I'm a little fucked up today. I don't know what's going on with me, but I'm like I'm like I'm crying in the club over here. And um, <laughs> it's like yeah, I, it's it's not something that I can necessarily relate to either. But still, like when I was watching it, I was like I feel like I'm watching something important, you know. Yeah. And um, that was cool. <laughs> it, I think going back to we it really feels like on this podcast we shit on like the mcu and like the very corporate (laughs) like so fun but like but but, like for but for me like i've been so ingrained in it like most of my life that i'm like and i still enjoy it that like i do want to be like i don't hate this stuff that comes out it's just that it's it's a flavor of the week thing for me rather Uh than like sticks with me forever and like i think the big thing is like Avengers Endgame was like the big culmination of everything after 10 years. And it was like a huge event. However, like I think in 30 years that will feel a little like forgotten and forgettable. Uh Whereas this feels like this this feels, this feels resonant. And it's not just like a, it's not just like another super bowl of a movie. Yeah. Yeah. 
it, it's it's crazy how much when you're watching it, like you're like, oh, this movie's just always going to be important 10 20 100 years from now like it's always going to feel very like like on like the criterion or like the like cinema purist of like mm-hmm. oh movies that need to be like forever preserved this will be there on there's there's going to be there's going to be people who are going to be like writing their dissertations about spider-verse like people going through yeah. film school are going to be looking to this in a really real way and it, it's really funny that we've been like we haven't really even talked about the movie yet like we've no, been, we're, we're just gushing about, but we're just <laughs> gushing. like this is the thing is like i knew like this is just what the movie it was just gonna be us being like holy fucking shit, this movie this movie it, just has so much stuff in it that's just so important beyond just the actual content in the movie right it, it, it really is something totally different and it's it's because it's so fresh too i mean i feel like I've still been reflecting on it. Like I haven't, I haven't gone to see it in in theaters again yet. But it's kind of creeping up on my list. It's not something I often do. I don't usually go back to the theater again. I know you're kind of you're more of you're more of that, uh. that lad. And I <laughs> oh. want to. I kind of wanna because it really just. I don't know. It <laughs> it hits so hard. Like I mean, it's like I I got back and I I sent Rogers a message immediately. I was like, first off, that movie banged. Second off, I just bought spider-man on the pc so that i can have more spider-man like i needed to just like i couldn't i couldn't not engage with just the feeling that it gave me it just it made me happy to like love spider-man again (laughs) that's the thing for me though is that the so I saw the movie and I immediately re-downloaded uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales on yep. the PS5 because I was like, I want to swing around in the Spider-Verse suit and just have like all this stuff. Have going a nice on. time. Like, yeah. And <laughs> listen yeah. to the soundtrack. Yeah. And and it's because it's like it's just so good. And I saw it opening day, like the the Thursday early opening day, however you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And like after I got out of the movie, I'm just like, I just want to go walk in and see that again. But I was like, I can't just do that because I have plans to already see it again. And I don't want to just like keep going in. And then the <laughs> next day I'm like, I, t- my friends who were originally going to come with me the first time couldn't make it. I'm like, all right, well, let's go see it tonight. So I saw it again within like back to back days. And then I was just like, after that, I was like, I really just want to walk. You're back like, what in if I go again? Like, yeah. <laughs> and, and it's like, I had to wait a few days. Cause I'm like, all right, I'm going to take my partner and everyone. We're going to go see it. And I'll wait. And I did. And I saw it and I was just like, it's so good. And I was like, at that moment, like, all right, maybe I need to cool on. See. And then my friend for his birthday was like, Hey, like, I know we saw this at the premiere, but like, I haven't want to see it again. You want to go? I'm like, yeah, I'll go see. So I saw, four, <laughs> I saw that movie four times in a row before watching any other movie again. So like, it was literally because I used Letterbox. I had just my recent four was just across the Spider-Verse, across the board. Just <laughs> like, again and again and again. <laughs> and it's just so good. And like I was after the fourth time, I was like, all right, I'm going to take a break from this movie because A, I should go watch other things. And B, like I don't want it to be spoiled. Like I don't want to like watch it so much where I get too much, like, too much out. of a good thing. Right. What However, is the critical mass of too much of a good thing when it comes to this, though? I know, and, ha- and more than four, is, <laughs> more than four, and like I've just seen a few movies again, or for the first time recently, and I'm like, now I'm like, I want to go back and see it again. Like I, it's like there's stuff coming out, but I want to watch this again before it's out of theaters because once it's out of theaters, you don't get many more opportunities to see it in theaters again. It's true. I feel like this could be one that does. Well, I, I do think like. 
I'm assuming it'll be nominated for Best Anime Feature, and whenever those are nominated, they usually come back to theaters. And then if it wins, it'll stay for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you know, it is in that status where it's like, all right, well, there is supposed to be a sequel, so there probably will be, like, a showing to watch the other ones before this. And it's like, so there will be opportunities. It's just that it's not going to be like the, it's going to be in theaters for two months, two, three months time. It's going right. to be like, oh, it's a event where it comes back for a night or a week. This night only, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't want to miss my opportunity to see it on big screens when I can. And that's, that is important to me because I think this is the way this movie is supposed to be watched and you can watch it on your TV at home and you'll still get a great time. It's just that you might as well go see it in a big screen and enjoy everything it has to offer. We are, we are cinema apologists. I know that I was off of the theater grind for a while, but there's nothing, there's nothing like seeing a movie in the theater. I really, I really do feel that way. Even with all of the like qualms that come from it. I I told Rogers this story as we were deciding that we were going to talk about this film next. And like, I was chilling in the theater and like, you know, I think like nine, 10 year old kid came in, sat down next to me. His grandma comes in, sits down next to him. And I think that we maybe made it 10 minutes in and you just hear (laughs) snoring. Grandma's out. Grandma's like comatose. (laughs) Sawn logs. 10 minutes in. And like the, and the kid is like, grandma, grandma, fell asleep you were snoring she goes no <laughs> no i wasn't and mean, that happened <laughs> what do you mean yeah, i was like what do you mean no <laughs> like, we're all we're all here with like i'm on the kid's side like i feel i felt bad for him and that happened like seven more times and even like that all it did was just make me happier to be seeing a movie in the theater because i was like what, well, a, what a nice shared human experience we could all have together I can deal with like the human like shuffle and all that that mm-hmm. happens in these type of things. I just hate when people have like the whole like pull out the phone, talk to each other, like the commentary. It's just like it's like why, like why, why? like just just watch, just talk, just, talk, just, talk during the previews, get it out of your yeah. system, and then shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, um, but like today, I for context, I, literally before recording this, I just saw the new Transformers movie, and the kid behind me. Cause he was with like his fa- whole family with like a few kids, the kid behind me, like 50 minutes in clearly was starting to get to like the, all right, I've been sitting for a while and kept hitting the recline forward and back button. So you just hear the chair, like mechanics go. And I was like, I was getting close to snapping. Cause I'm like, I can't listen to this for another 50 mm-hmm. minutes. Like kid, I I'm sorry. You need to shut stop now. Please you hold still. Like just be <laughs> find something else to fidget with. Please right. not the, the, the recliner. Um, but yeah, I, I think a, this movie should be seen on the biggest screen or just any screen that isn't your home. Mm-hmm. If please go see it. If you have the means uh, do it, but let's actually try and talk about things <laughs> that happen in the movie rather than just gushing about it. Cause I could just go on for another five right. hours. We're just talking about how like, we're just talking about how we feel about it. Let's get yeah. into some of the like actual. Thing. So, Movie starts, it opens up with Gwen and kind of her like story about becoming Spider-Woman, kind of recapping things that we already knew in the first week, but we're now really exploring her world for the first time. And I thought, oh, this is going to be like a, a three, five minute sequence intro just to like catch us up and then it's going to switch over to Miles. And then they kept going. It kept going. And, then they, and they kept going and going. And I was like, oh no, this is like a whole prologue. Like this is like going to, and I was like, Okay, I'm in. And then, you know, 
she goes, finds the vulture that is uh, attacked. The Renaissance like, vulture. <laughs> which, well, that's the thing. It's like, they're like, oh, the vulture. And then it shows, and then it's this Renaissance vulture. And it's all this, like, I, it's weird paper mache stencil art. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, that was like the first thing. I'm like, how the fuck did they make this? I was like, uh-huh. how the fuck did they make Like, how do they fuck they have that happening with interacting with Gwen? Like, how is this happening? And, and then that's how we get introduced to Spider-Man 2999, who's Miguel O'Hara. And like, we get that dynamic set up. And essentially this whole prologue is just a setup that like Gwen is now part of this spider team. That's going through multiverse to multiverse to help, you know, protect everything and put everything in order. Right. Rain, um, rain in all of the anomalous things that are happening. And, and the big thing that happens before this is that her dad, Captain Stacy, who is trying to, finds hunt down spider woman because spider woman theoretically killed peter parker in that world but peter it was not her it was one of those like you know oh i was saving people and it happened to be the lizard happened to be peter type of thing right and you know she finds she reels herself that hey i'm your daughter a spider woman's your daughter and then dad's like well uh yeah you're still under arrest goes full so co- that- yes it goes full cop mode because he's just like fucked up about it and yep and so then it the movie the intro essentially is just hey uh miguel here's like fine i guess i'll let you join our team and they get away and then it cuts to the when the music cuts in for the the fucking actual intro of the movie, I'm like, this is hard. This mm-hmm. is like, I'm, I'm I'm so excited for Miles to show up on screen. And once the second Miles showed up, I was just like, ah, I've missed you. I've, I've missed, this missed so you much. so much. I missed this, and I was just so excited to see Miles Morales on screen that that was what for me. I was like, I was just like, thank you. I mm-hmm. I can be a little bit at peace here. Um, and then we get into this great, pretty much first 20 minutes of miles is just fighting the spot who is at that point to us like, Oh, this is just a fun, quirky villain. This guy's just a little, and, uh, he's a schmuck. Yeah. And <laughs> all, all within this time, we're also getting in, reintroduced to his family and they're talking about like where he's going to go for college. And it's introducing all these elements about like these conflict I mean, points, right? Like, yeah. Of like, Oh, miles clearly wants to grow outside of Brooklyn and family dynamics and all this stuff. And it, it, it's, it's so much information is being given while so much plot is moving forward. Mm-hmm. It's not, it doesn't feel like you're like hitting in ruts and you're like, Oh, like, Oh my God. Like stop, I'm expo- here stop expositing to me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so the spot is so cool. Like visually, like mm-hmm. choosing that for the, for this movie's villain is Was so such cool. a good choice. And, uh, I love that it's voiced by Jason Schwartzman. I mm-hmm. love that, like, it's just, I, going to the full scope of this, like, the way the spot starts off is very much like the, oh, you look like the weird quirky villain that Spider-Man's just going to stop on a whim and then go off to do his next thing. And they play it up like that. And they even have, like, the whole, like, I'm your arch nemesis. And he's like, I'm just texting on my phone. I don't give a shit about yeah, you. Yeah, he's and like, then, he's like, you're just a villain of the week, man. <laughs> and, it, and it shows that whole, like, spider-man dilemma of always kind of being like i have my world that i like my actual personal world that i have to care about so then when other people like this show up i'm kind of more like not understanding and then i pass it off and then it becomes into a bigger problem and the way that the spot is actually entangled with miles and what you find throughout the movie is so like haunting and so uh-huh. cool and so brilliant but it's the second the spot turns into like the actual evil bad spot 
and the animation kicks in that shit gets scary bro you're just like you're just like you're just like holy shit you're just like this is like fucking weird (laughs) yeah like like this this guy was just like a a gag at the beginning of the movie and now he's like actually fucking frightening yeah it's like he's like i'll see you back at home you're like ah jesus like yeah it's the wolf from puss in boots all over again i was like this guy this is getting creepy but the anime yeah yeah super Um, spots animation is yeah is that what that we're we're calling is that we're calling them super spot super spot i don't know it's like there's no Uh, good name um but we get introduced to all these conflicts we get introduced characters villains and every frame is a painting everything you just feel like i if i pause this i could blow it up on my wall and it would look Mm -hmm. amazing uh i think though it's when the moment for me where like everything started kind of kicking and it's like, Oh, this is where like the emotions are going to hit hard for me is just like Spider-Man, the spot disappears. Cause he, cause, you know, as he says, he kicked his own, butt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he falls inside himself, which is just hilarious. <laughs> he has this nice scene with his dad, but he's as Spider-Man. So he can't like, he not like, I'm not miles, but his dad is clearly like venting his stress and frustration and just trying to be like, I'm just trying to be a good dad. I'm trying to be a good cop. I'm trying to be all this. And he's just like, he's just trying to do the right thing. And he's trying to like figure everything out. And, you know, Spider-Man is telling him like, Hey, like you gotta let your kids spread his wings, man. It's such a nice moment because it's like, yes, it is what needs to happen. And it is funny that it's miles telling him this directly saying, yeah. Yeah. But it's such a nice moment. And like, the way they frame everything is so beautiful. And then it, the scenes that follow up here, which is essentially, Oh, we have a party. Uh, we need to get a cake and miles is making the cake. And it turns a nice bit where he's like makes two cakes. Cause he's saying, has he having the cake artist write too much on it? Cause he's just pretty much ranting along. Um, God, but, yeah, that scene was funny. <laughs> yeah. But my favorite thing is, is, it cuts to mom doing a speech on this like rooftop party and it cuts then it actually gets to the the dad's speech because essentially this is a celebration because he's going to be made into the police captain um for the police force there and the speech is just all about like you know accepting being happy where you came from proud of your achievement proud of the people around proud of his wife proud of his son but this is all cut with miles essentially just trying to get this cake to his family because he cares about them. But then all these Spider-Man incidents are happening where like there's a villain of some sorts on the bridge that are on the train tracks that he has to kick off. There's someone robbing a store. So he says that there's like all this stuff, all these interruptions of him trying to get back to just like, I'm just trying to be a kid here too. Yeah. And he shows up late to the speech, like shows up late at post speech and his parents are, parents are mad at him and the thing is like there's an aspect of this where it's like if you're spider-man and it comes down to the great power with great power comes great responsibility it's like should spider-man have not you know clicked the villain off the train not stop the robbery like isn't he supposed to you know do that so it's like right he he should be doing that but at the same time he should also be there for his family and that's always the dilemma of spider-man in general we saw this with the toby mcguire movies a lot it's the balance of the the personal life with the greater heroic things that only he can do. And it's, you're always stretched too thin, right? Yeah. And it develops kind of the, some of the major plot beats here of clearly 
Miles needs to have group spread his wings and he needs to be free of mm-hmm. being tied to the family dynamic, but he still loves his family so much that he wants to be around. Right. And that's when we have, he gets grounded cause he's, you know, late and all this stuff. And then Gwen shows up out of nowhere. And that's where we kind of get into all the, the spider verse stuff happening. And I think it's the moment when Gwen shows up and they have that scene on the, the tower and they're upside down. Yeah. It's like, that for me, I think, was the moment where I'm like, yeah, this movie can do no wrong. I'm mm-hmm. like, this movie can do no wrong to me. No wrong. It looks so good. It looks and so it's... good. And it's it's just like, yeah, specifically when they're just like having their conversation, like sitting upside down on whatever building that is. I was like, sorry for not knowing New York's skyline better. Um <laughs> How dare you? Sorry, you New York. Westerner. I know. You, you Midwesterner. If, if, if our if our if our buildings get taller than you know ten stories, we start sweating. So, um, <laughs> but the, I thought that scene was so good, and it, it's kind of where it it brings back the same relatability point, you know, of of every spider person character. You know, they're all this kind of like awkward. Every person, they're just trying to do what they can and, and balancing well, this and having this like massive so amount of pressure on life. their shoulders. Right. Yeah. Cause, and we're, we're talking about trans allegory and representation, all this, a lot of this movie does feel like, like trying to come out to your parents or mm-hmm. your friends or your family. It's like the, you want to come out, but you don't know how to. And there's a lot of that in this movie and like in this tower sequence where they're upside down miles is like well maybe i should just tell him because that'd make it easier if everyone knew and gwen who just had to deal with her dad the a few months ago worst experience is like no it. you don't and it's like it's very relatable to the you know you tell your family hey i'm gay and they go oh you're not a po- you're no son daughter of mine right. or or there's loving acceptance and you know we see that difference and we know that i m- from what we know about Miles' parents, if Miles did come out, I think they would be loving and accepting. It's right. more just the aspect of them. It's explored all the time in Spider-Man. It's like, once you tell them, they're so much more at risk because now they know who you are and they're going to worry and they're going to try and help and it's becoming going to become worse. And so there's right. all these dilemmas here. And it's like, I love how relatable they use it for this series of movies and storytelling. Right. And I think something that's really interesting as a very, like, small, like, not mentioned piece of this is the fact that both Miles and Gwen both have slash had Rip, Peter Parker, and Gwen's universe. They had friends who who did know. Or, well, I guess, no, Peter didn't know that Gwen was Spider-Woman. She wasn't willing well, to even tell him. But, but Miles has a friend that knows that he's Spider-Man. Yeah, and he... Technically, in the scene where Peter Lizard dies, he's like, he you know, I just, I just want to be like you. So clearly, but it was never told. So it's like we, she never had the, the like, oh, I told, and then something bad happened right. thing. But there's still that whole aspect that like being a spider person makes bad things can happen right. much more likely. But what's interesting about it to me is like the the fear of like coming out to your family, right? Mm-hmm. Is it seems very like it's a very pronounced theme in this in this movie and yet they have friends that do know about them mm-hmm. and i think that that is it's very it's it, it's it's not mentioned at all it's just kind of it, it just is and 
I just I, I really like that of like you yeah. know, it's like there are there are you are, there are people that you can choose to trust that you can believe will respond better with the information than potentially even your own family yeah. does. And I know like Miles's friend doesn't get like a whole lot of screen time or anything, but I just thought it like very interesting well, you know like miles like swings into their dorm he's playing he's playing spider-man on his playstation 4 like, which is actually, a funny little play, no wait he's not just playing spider-man he's actually playing spider-man 2 the one that comes out later this wait, year wait was that from it, spider-man it, it, 2 it, yeah, oh! it's, 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 yeah it's confirmed and i was like this motherfucker got the game early yeah what the hell i want to live in that universe um, um but it's like it's but, just like it's so casual like he like just swings in so, he's like oh shit i need to change really fast are you wearing my jordans and like you, it's just like that's friends that's your chosen family right so yeah you'll get into this more because you are going to play through spider-man and spider-man miles morales but oh yes Gen- genki is his name and genki is his friend his like his like oh like you know guy in the chair spider-man help like oh like i hear this stuff's going down and all this stuff he's kind of like that miles's friend that just knows everything so they're close together because of that in the first Spider-Verse, he's never referred to as Genki, but he there is a line in the final like closing thing where he's like, you know, I finally introduced myself to my roommate because they there's kind of an ongoing joke that they never actually cross paths the entire time. <laughs> um, so it was cool to see him that he was actually Genki and like there was like a nice little way of nodding it, but they're clearly not going to spend too much time on it because of how packed this movie is. But it was right. nice to see. It was nice to see that they they kind of have reference to it because he even says in across the spiders he's like i'm not your guy in the chair and i'm like oh i mean yeah. in, universe, in several universes you are but right um, maybe not here <laughs> but uh yeah it, it's just it's really cool to see a character that's been around for so long have so many interpretations and have so many like meanings for people because you know in the toby mcguire spider-man's like there is like this kind of conflict of like it would be easier if i told you if i was spider-man because then you'd know and it's like back then it was more just about the like the stresses of you know just wanting to be honest with people you care about and you Mm -hmm. love and it's like it was still relatable but like having it be on this level now like the coming out and like how we are like societally at this point in time it is very profound for a lot of people yes um so it's nice to see that it's nice to touch so many people across so many different ways of life um so we've gushed about the animation. We've gushed about just how good this movie. We gushed about characters. We gushed about, I mean, we could really just go on. The, the allegorical impact of yeah. <laughs> what they're doing. Yeah. We really could just, but let's get into like the actual main like point, like the main plot point of this, which is the multiverse that Miguel O'Hara, Spider-Man 2099 is managing (laughs) managing (laughs) keeping together like stopping these anomalies from happening where different people from different universes are crossing and they need to be sent back is the canon is the web that ties every spider person together and it's these events that have to happen for every spider person for the universe to stay essentially intact Mm -hmm. why this is so smart and effective and so emotionally charged for me is they use every interpretation of Spider-Man that's ever existed and non-existed as a way to convey this to miles and to this exact movies story. Mm -hmm. And the fact that there's literally Andrew Garfield seeing captain Stacy die and 
Tobey Maguire seeing Uncle Ben die and all these other like interpretations happen in this movie. Like you literally see them portrayed out on the screen and it's not something that feels like, oh, this is fan service because I get to see Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire. This is like, holy shit, they're using all of the most important Spider-Man moments as like a backbone for why this is happening. Right. Um. So the sequence is essentially they, they get to the spider society after saving uh, Spider-Man India's world and in Mumbai, Mumbai, New York. And such a they, good sequence. It's such, it's such, <laughs> it's and that's so why good. I'm like, I we can't, cause we're going to go about every right. little thing. Just keep, keep and going. I, don't, don't, don't <laughs> let me interrupt you. <laughs> yeah. And we'll get back to some of it, but it's like, it's like, I want to get to the main, like meat and bones of the, this. The, exact the, the hit of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, is, so Miguel O'Hara is telling Miles Morales Spider-Man just say the way this all works is that all these critical events happen to all of us because that's what defines Spider-Man and that's what keeps everything intact because Spider-Man essentially must suffer for the rest of the world and the universe to exist and move on. And it's such a profound thing because of all the times we've seen Spider-Man lose so many people he cares about over and over again in different iterations and seeing that spread out on screen is so effective for like emotional storytelling. Cause even if you had never seen any Spider-Man movie, you still get what's going on. And if you've seen everything Spider-Man, you're like, you're crushed emotionally. Cause you're like, Oh my God. And it's, it's this buildup in the music here. The score is so good by Daniel Pemberton. It's so good because it's just a slow buildup and it's using the Spider-Man's into the Spider-Verse like main theme, like woven in and it's just a slow buildup. And it's this moment where it's like Miguel O'Hara is just like, yeah, a Spider-Man loses a, a police captain close to him while saving someone and everything's building up. And then as the sequence in miles has this like, my dad's about to be captain in uh-huh. two days and it's, and he's like, yes. And he's like, that's what's going to end. He, and miles is such like, I'm not going to allow this to happen. 29 is like, I'm not going to allow you to leave because this has to happen. And it's this moment where you realize this movie is essentially like very meta in the way that fandoms look at like characters mm-hmm. in the way that we, like there are a lot of purists out there who go, this is how you make Spider-Man. This is what it needs to be to make Spider-Man. And they usually right. say, Oh, you know, Mary Jane, Gwen Stacy, Captain Stacy needs to die. Uncle Ben needs to die. Like all these things. This is what makes Spider-Man Spider-Man. And it's like, there's a lot of peers who say if you don't do that and if you don't do that right you've it's not a good spider-man thing right you've already you betrayed the core concept of and that's what this movie the movie is essentially saying this can't like this has to happen because this is what is spider-man and then the fact that it's literally miles being like no i can't allow this happen i'm not doing this is such like a oh this is also saying like the canon of spider-man doesn't always need to be this. You can break from it. You can explore new things and yes. try new things. And it's so fascinating that this is essentially the story of like rebelling against the, like, like the expectation of yeah. the, the, the core identity that people would argue yeah. of the series itself. I also thought it was really interesting too, just of like the in universe side of this, of, 
the 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 crushing realization that Miles has is he's like seeing all of this stuff played out in front of him. And then he's looking at all of these like other spider people that he knows and he's like, wait, like y'all are dealing with all like this happened to all of you. And they're all like still crushed by it, still affected by it. But he his like canon events haven't happened yet. He's essentially he his didn't one have the perspective canon, of it, yeah. right? His one canon event is Uncle Aaron dying right. in the first movie, and like, like it does even replay that in front of him. But like, clearly, everyone has been impacted by several canon. So, events. so many more deaths and like close losses. Yeah, and, and even Miguel is trying to say like, yeah, I I know you want to not do this, but I also didn't want this to happen, so I tried breaking the rules and I destroyed a whole worst, planet. <laughs> yeah, I destroyed like a whole universe and my you know, daughter, not daughter died in my arms. And it's like this whole aspect of like, if you break the canon, you will make things worse for everyone. And there's a lot of like weight and emotion to this. And like the thing is, there, there's an argument that I've seen after this movie's release where people are like, okay, I understand the perspective of this, but there are too many Spider-Men here that would side with miles over Miguel. And I'm like, actually, I think a lot of these Spider-Men, because we don't know where they're at in their like timeline for a lot of these points is like, if you've experienced enough tragedy and you essentially get told, Hey, this tragedy has to happen to make like the world a safer, better place. It does bring you a comfort to know, like there is a reason. reason. Yeah. Because like, yeah. If you said, Hey, uncle Ben's going to die. You have to let uncle Ben die. Most people be like, yes, there is probably that to me. Like, no, I want all this to happen. But then they say, yeah, but if uncle Ben doesn't die, you know, a school bus of children on entire, all those children on this universe will just magically be slaughtered. You would be like, uh, well, maybe uncle Ben should die. Right. Like, right. It's like, it becomes like almost utilitarianism yeah. aspect of like Miguel's approach of like, you know, these things have to happen because we know that otherwise, you know, something yeah. much, much worse would, would come to pass. And I think it, 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 it plays into that same ethos that Spider-Man has to begin with. I mean, it's like uncle Ben has to die. Uncle Ben is also the one that teaches you the lesson of with great power comes responsibility. Like you don't get to be selfish have you, when you have this. Have you seen, I, I'm sorry. Have you beaten Spider-Man PS4 or are you still? Doing oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's the only platinum okay. trophy I have. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. So, cause now this is a true spoiler warning. Spoiler warning for Spider-Man PS4, Insomniac, Spider-Man, <laughs> PS5, Spider-Man PC, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, this is the thing is that Spider-Man would side with Miguel O'Hara because he literally chooses to save New York over saving, uh, Aunt May. Yeah. Aunt May die like he he could have saved Aunt May, but he chooses to save New York over, and like that's why he would understand why Miguel is saying what he's saying. And right. I I think it's important. Oh to fuck! I'm this. like when Aunt May died, I was like, oh, it, just I was slack jawed in my living room. I was sobbing. I was yep. just like, I can't believe that it is. I was um, I was sobbing, me. but I was also like, man, they have some balls. That was a good choice. Um, yeah. Anyways. And just Yuri Lothenthal, who plays Peter in that, he is just so good. <sighs> It's it's such a good performance, um, and I, I love the his little cameo in this. Oh my god! Yeah, that I was like video game guy, and he's like, "You talking to me?" I'm like, "Yay!" Yeah, we are. Um, no, I, I think, 
what what it really comes down to is just like this whole sequence is built upon the foundation of everything Spider-Man and what Spider-Man has gone through, but saying, hey, it's okay. Like there, there's at least purpose and there's something to be here and we have to keep it intact. But the thing is, Miles is just like, no, I, there's also like the side of it where it's like you, Spider-Man's job is to save people and he will mm-hmm. try it no matter what the cost, you can't just let things happen. And that is also very true to Spider-Man. And it's great that that's what the conflict of this first part of this two part movie is, is Miles essentially saying, fuck you, I'm going to do my own thing. And the chase sequence again is one of those. How did this get animated? How did this oh, get made? So crazy. How, how, did, how did this, how did this happen? And it's so gorgeous. And the music is wonderful. And then the, probably the, the second biggest reveal in the movie, because the first biggest reveal is definitely at the end of this. But the second biggest reveal of this movie is, Oh, miles Morales is the original anomaly, which is mm-hmm. a, it's the statement of miles Morales is, uh, he was never supposed to be bit by the spider in his universe because it came from a different dimension. And he was, if he wouldn't have been bit, the Peter Parker that we saw die at the beginning of the first Spider-Verse movie would have lived to be Peter Parker, Spider-Man just protect that universe. And it's this moment of like, Oh my God, like you're not wrong. But at the same time, it's like, Oh, that's so tragic that like that, like Miles was never supposed to be this great hero that we've all come to love. And but like, it's also beautiful at the same time that he's rebelling so much against right. it. He's like, he's he's, like, he's he's not only risen to the occasion, he's just saying like, all right, well, if this wasn't supposed to happen in the first place, why do I need to follow your rules, too? It's yeah. like, if you think and, I'm not if you think of that, I'm, this wasn't supposed to be, then you don't know anything actually yeah (laughs) and i love this because it also in this whole train you know escape sequence everything we get two great scenes where one of them is you know peter b parker takes him aside like gets him hidden for a little bit and is like hey i got to have a kid because you essentially can you you convince me not to kill myself because in Mm -hmm. the first movie he is so depressed and he is trying to kill himself several times in that movie it just they don't ab- outrightly say it because it's still a PG kids movie and you right. can't just say that. Um, but no, the the thing is like I have this kid because you convinced me to essentially go back and you know face my fears and challenges and get through this. And then that brings up the point that well, if Miles was never Spider Man, Mayday Parker would have never been born. Right, and it shows that like there are good things that can happen. And it's also this like beautiful moment because he's just trying to say, you're a wonderful person and I'm glad that you you exist. I'm and glad then, that I know you, yeah. <laughs> and then it's turned by the most heartbreaking moment where it's like, oh, Peter, we've had your location. And then the immediate betrayal on Miles' face. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm like, I I'm of the opinion that Peter B did not know that his wrist was a that beacon. he was being I, tracked, yeah. Because I, I think he just totally forgot because he was more focused on being there for Miles. And that's why I think it's so great. It's such a beautiful, like, writing moment. And then mm-hmm. it's followed up by the other thing of, like, you know, you know, uh, Gwen being, like, Miles to Gwen being, like, you knew about this? And she's like, I didn't know how to, t- I knew, and I didn't know how to tell you. And it's like, Miles got betrayed by the two people he cared about the most. The two people, yes. the entire the movie. He, the two people he the, missed the most. The, the two people, the entire movie, he was pretty much saying, I miss my friends. I miss all this. And 
I just remember this. So I'm going to go back in the movie. In the beginning, he has a scene with his like counselor about what he wants to do for college. And he wants to go into quantum theory and essentially mm-hmm. saying, I want to help find a way to explore the multiverse because he wants, he misses his friends. So he's doing all this to miss friends. There's a note about this where it's like miles abandons being an artist, like doing art school and everything because he wants to find his friends. So the mm-hmm. fact that, the fact that they had a way to contact him this entire time, but and because didn't. they it didn't, it's so heartbreaking because he was essentially dropping everything in his life just to get back to right. his to his friends, and it's just, it's just like oh the betrayal he has to feel and the betrayal like all this stuff, like and how so, much how much he's poured into just wanting to be back with them, and yeah. then the yeah just like the the sickening like realization of like yeah they could have come back at any time, yeah, I. God, that train sequence is just so so. Good. It's and, so good, and the fact that it's just Miles just outsmarting every fucking Spider-Man on mm-hmm. the goddamn planet <laughs> is just so great. Um, I think the the moment that follows this, which is this beautiful swinging, like this is when he gets teleported to he gets transported to in the go home machine as they call it, mm-hmm. and he's swinging through uh, New York and all this crazy animation is happening with like Doc Ock tentacles and like trains and all this stuff. And it's, he's going through this, clearly going through this like inner monologue of like all the things he just recapped and Mm -hmm. learned. And it's like this beautiful, like clearly he's overwhelmed and he's emotionally distraught and he's just trying to get home. He's trying to process all of this. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so well done. And it's just like so claustrophobic, but also like engaging. He gets home and he's he has this monologue to his mom, and that's where I kind of come up with the whole, like, this movie has a lot of allegory of coming out because mm-hmm. he has this big speech about, like, I went out into the world, I faced challenges, but I found out who it was, and I'm no longer afraid, I beat them all. And then he goes, Mom, I'm Spider-Man, and it's just, like, it's a big moment that's built up through the entire movie, and it's a nice moment, and then it's cut with this, who's Spider-Man? And at first, this goes back to the whole quipping thing that we don't like. Uh-huh. I I thought this route. I was like, no. I thought they I thought did. we were getting quipped too. I was like, yeah, there's like, like all this buildup and like Rio doesn't even know. <laughs> like, I was like, I was like, no. And then my brain started like plot holing where I'm like, wait, wait, no, she knows Spider Man because in the first movie when Peter Parker dies, he goes home and then they're like, it's like you know, like, Dad, do you really hate Spider Man? So they they've talked about Spider Man in front of me, and I'm like, my brain's just like going into hyperdrive, and then my brain just goes, oh, oh, he's in the wrong shit. universe. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, he's in the wrong universe, and I'm like, holy fuck, and then the, like it's the the realization that oh my god, Miles is in the wrong universe, and then we get to the the oh uncle aaron's alive and you're like uh-huh. oh oh no this is and getting then, worse <laughs> and then oh there is a miles morales in this universe and he is the prowler. fuck yeah <laughs> he's and terrifying i love this because with the whole like the spider being transported to a different dimension the whole thing is that Miles Morales that he encounters as the Prowler is supposed to be Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. So his life is completely changed and he's now the Prowler and there's no Spider-Man in that universe. And Miles Morales, if you go back to the first movie, when Peter Parker, the Chris Pine one that dies, mm-hmm. discovers Miles, the color scheme changes from green and purple, which is the Prowler's colors, to red and blue, the Spider-Man colors. Yeah. And he goes, so you're like me. And it's like, oh, 
Miles was supposed to be the prowler and the his in this u- universe, universe, God. And so it's it's the universe changing, and I'm like, oh, oh, the way like lives change and everything, and like the it path. goes so much deeper just from like yeah, it's like one butterfly effect kind of thing. Yeah, oh. I also, I also love because I really I do I feel like they are going to explore Earth forty two, the prowler Miles's world, and kind of, I actually think. What I like, I don't like writing things in my head, but what I would love is if the movie opens up with a, you know, all right, we'll do this one last time, but it's Prowler Miles and like his story. Yeah. And that's like what the pro- prologue is. Cause I would like, I think that'd be so good. I want to sh- see it. I want to see it built out because there's yeah. so, there's so much that's just like ripe for seeing like what a world in this like multiverse without a Spider Man yeah. would look it, like. It's just, it's so good. And like we've already kind of touched on like Gwen has like a re- touching moment with dad and then it ends with her finding her band of people and that's where the to be continued happens. So we've we, we, we've covered essentially a lot of the main plot beats of the movie, but I do feel like we've really excluded one character who is just like the absolute fan favorite of this movie and it's Hobie Brown. Yeah, the fact, how Spy- have we not talked about Hobie yet? How have we not talked we, about Spider-Punk? I, I think it's because we know once we start talking about it, it's just going to be, like, all about him. So we were yeah. trying to get through everything. And, like, we Miles, Gwen, and Miguel are all kind of, like, intertwined to their main mm-hmm. thing. But Hobie is Spider-Punk, and he is so fucking cool. Everything yeah. about, like, he's animated on threes. He's just this anti-fascist, just... Anti-establishment. establishment and like, also, I have to I have to credit them, like explicitly anti-fascist. He says those yeah. exact words, and to, like yeah. just to see that like splash across the screen, he's like, "I'm anti-fascist." I was like, "Fuck yeah, let's go!" Like, and he and he's voiced by Daniel Kaluuya, who's a phenomenal actor, and I yes. love him so much. So like, it was great. We finally like, let Daniel Kaluuya be British too. <laughs> like, yeah, thank you. I just love everything about Hobie from animation to character, but he has also some of the best moments and lines of this movie. Cause he just like, it's just so fun, but it's also so awesome. And I just, I think the big thing though, going into him is like in the sequence where all the Spider-Man are essentially interventioning miles about like, Hey, you can't go save your dad. Cause you have to let this play out mm-hmm. is Hobie is the only one who's like, nah, man, you can, Break, you should break actually go out. do break, it. Break, yeah, <laughs> break, break the break the system, break break it all, and he he helps him out. And what I love about this is because the way I think, and one of the marketing things, this is like a year ago, mm. they were trying to say, oh, Spider Punk will be in the movie, and he'll be kind of like a love triangle character for Miles and Gwen. And everyone was like, ah, oh, like really, like we're gonna have to deal with like love triangle stuff. And the movie does kind of play on that at first mm-hmm. in the first like times he's mentioned, but then when he comes in. He is just the biggest Miles Morales fan. He is. He so loves supportive. Miles so he's, much. Yeah, he's so supportive, and it's so great. And it's just like uh, he has my favorite, one of my favorite lines in the movie, which is just the 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 big black hole that's starting in Mumbai, in New York, where he's. They're just like, "What is that?" And he just goes, "It's a metaphor for capitalism." Yeah, and it's just like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just makes me lose my mind every time because I'm like, I was not expecting that. Joke they just here. Sne- they and just sneak it in. They just like. Little quick hit, you know. Yeah, and uh, they have Spider. They have Spider-Man India have the same thing where he is the like. This is where the traffic is. This is where the traffic is. This is where the traffic is, and this is where the British took all our stuff. And it's yeah. like, <laughs> it's like, oh, uh, I forgot about that line. I love, yeah, I. It, uh. And 
I just love that a character that they were kind of trying to build up was like, oh, it's a love triangle character. It just ends up being such a supporter of Miles and is so much like, make sure you know what you're signing up for before you actually sign up. And he's like, essentially giving all these warnings, like, why don't you just do your own thing? Like, you don't need this. You don't need right. the You don't need to be here. here. Right. Yeah. And and I love everything about him. And I love when Mayday Parker fucking shits her pants and he's just like taking a crap on the establishment. I salute you. <laughs> I salute you. <laughs> It's just like, yeah, it's like Hobie just be, he immediately comes in as this like honestly like just like a big brother character yeah. for Miles and like it's it it has it kind of fits like the it hits the tension that you can have with like an older brother it's like Miles is like I don't really want to listen to you but damn like you kind of write about some of this stuff and like Hobie's been through it already this is like trying to like pass that knowledge on but like Miles is just like honestly so lonely and so excited to be like in part of this like huge grand thing he doesn't even he doesn't see what the uh what the downsides could be yeah. as well and yeah hobie hobie's I, great he is great and i just again i just love so much that this movie is based off of spider-man's supposed to suffer and you're not supposed to win every time and it's just so much of like a anti like spider-man lore like mm-hmm. message but also still very spider-man and it's just like the way they've been able to sell this so perfectly to every audience member like the fact that like no one's lost about the intentions happening or like the stakes everything is there clear as day but it's so deep on many levels right and it's so nuanced too because it's like i don't i, I think it's really easy to also see like miguel's perspective as well yeah. it's like it he's He's, he's kind not of a villain. Like, he's just the antagonist of this, like, part of, of the story. Of this story, right. And he's scary as hell. Um, but And he's played by Oscar Isaac, who's hot as hell. Uh, yeah. Poppy Miguel, you know? Like, um, yeah. I, I think, like, Miguel is incredibly sympathetic. And, like, it's really easy to see why so many people are, like, in line with, like, what he's doing. But, uh, you know, Miles is our hero for all the right reasons, you know? Oh, you, yeah. want it, you want it to be different. You yeah. want it to go yeah. against the the expectations. And again, with the whole, like, not trying to write things for the next movie, but it's, like, it's really interesting because, like, there's a part of me that's, like, I want to see something where Miles succeeds and he can write his own path. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I'm also fine if things still play out and it's, like, the, it's just a growth and a learning moment that, like, you still have to, like, you still have to deal with real life things. Right. It's like, you, you can't, you can't, you can't win it all you can't save them all either like, way it's still both both ways will both be really will be good. good yeah yeah it which is great because it's not like there's really like a, a bad thing it's like i want to see him break it all because it's just like i think it'd be cool to see it fully fall through but at the same time if it doesn't it just shows that like miguel's like, i know you tried and i know you did everything but like this is what i was trying to tell you is just like right. you have to let these things happen and i think either way will be earned and they'll they'll do a good job with it whatever yeah. outcome they they land on yeah it's just it's so good and again we we went on a gush tour about it but just like the way this movie looks and the way it's all told is just so fucking good it's such a it's just such a delight like yeah the the pacing is so good the visuals are so good like you're not like you know the movies are back baby (laughs) like go see them like it's yeah, a it, it's a special it's a special this is a special movie yeah i 
I know this movie will always have a lot of love. I just hope that even though I don't care about award season, I just hope come award season, it doesn't just get the animated slot. Like it actually gets the best picture slots for things. Now that like, would be amazing to yeah, see. I, I like, I don't care about award shows because all that matters is that the movie is important to you. But at the same time, I do like it. This, I, I don't want this movie to be like, Oh, it's just animation. <laughs> Right, because then it comes back right to our prompt at the start of the podcast is like, why are we always like holding it as a separate thing? If it's the best picture of the year, it should just be the best picture of the year. Like, why do why are we giving more prestige and attention to, or like, I guess why are we snubbing a side of the art form? Right? Yeah. So, exactly. Um. But yeah, so do you have anything you want to finish out in on, on Spider-Verse? Anything we didn't touch? Excitement for the next movie or anything? Well, I'm beyond I'm beyond hype for the next movie. I can't wait to see it in eight years. Um, oh, which yeah. Which I was going to segue perfectly into. We have spent a long time gushing about Across the Spider-Verse, but I think that we would be remiss if we did not acknowledge that in uh, you know recent days that there have been articles coming out and like things being published about the fact that a lot of the animators and like visual effects artists that were involved in really the success and, and and ultimate, you know, completion of this movie being put together, having to do an insane amount of crunch work. And if you're not familiar with the term crunch, um, I feel like it's often more heard about in the video game industry. Luckily we're a film and video game podcast. Uh, crunch is where, it's just like mandatory overtime. You gotta you gotta keep working. Um, usually pretty obscene hours. We're talking, you know, 10, 12 hours a day, often without weekends, without these, without these breaks, because there's just so much time and labor involved in producing and rendering these types of things um, that require a human touch that the humans are involved. And it it does, it doesn't ruin i guess the impact that the art has and the impact that the story has because at the end of the day there was some really amazing artistry that went into this it's just disappointing that still in 2023 um we're putting people through these really inhumane high stress working conditions just think about like if someone had good work-life balance while they could do this like how much more incredible could it be and would we really be missing out if it was delayed for another year or another two years to make that more feasible so that people did not have to put this undue mental and physical stress on themselves. So I think we just want to be clear, right? That we are fully in support and solidarity of the people who made this film. And I would prefer to not have a sequel be pushed through under those conditions just so that I can see it a year sooner. I mean, we're already saying into the Spider-Verse came out in 2018. I didn't realize that that was five years ago. Like you can take your time. We'll, we'll still show up and And be happier for it. And a little context here. Like I, when I got out of this movie, the first time I was like, how was this movie made? How, like, how was this movie made in four and a half years? And that there's two parts and this movie is two hours and 20 minutes, which is the longest Western animated movie of all time. Like longest running runtime for a Western animated feature. And I was like, how was this made? with all this stuff in this amount of time. And there's also another movie coming out in 10 months. That's the date for it is March, 2024 mm-hmm. as of right now for beyond the spiders. And, uh, I kind of had the thought that like, I was like, 
oh, they must have been working insane hours or had so many animators to get this done because there's yep. no way in four and a half years this was made without like extreme workload or just a t- giant workforce. Right. And uh, that w- I, was, I was a little concerned about it because I was just like, I think this movie is probably made under some pretty heavy conditions. And then it came out just a few days ago that it sounds like it was. Uh, and surprising no one disappointing everyone. Right. Yeah, like, it, it really was not a surprise in going back to the fact that we're a film video game podcast. We consider the game Red Dead Redemption two to be one of the best games ever made. That game facts. also was made under heavy amounts of crunch. Horrific. So, crunch. Yeah. So there's an aspect of the work that was put out. Shouldn't be shamed or shunned because it, it's still amazing piece of artistry that the artist did actually make and get out there. And that should be celebrated, but we should not celebrate the practice of how it was made. And I think I do speak for a lot of people that I've been seeing along the way. It's like, just delay the movie, just delay it. We can wait. I know people hate the to be continued thing, but I'd rather have the movie have its time for people to have normal lives, Mm -hmm. work on it and get through it. So that's my piece on that. I also think, uh, it, I we just spent over an hour gushing about this movie and talking about how beautiful it was and how mm-hmm. amazing it was to see in a theater with what they were doing. They wouldn't have even had the ability to go out to a theater to see this movie. Like that's how much they were working. Like they right. would not have had time. And if they did, it'd be the very precious tiny few hours of free time that would probably be cutting into their sleep time, their sleep, family time. Like there's yeah. so much that when you're doing, or you're working an 11 hour day, you're basically just trying to keep yourself alive. Cause if you're doing that seven days a week, you're just trying to keep yourself alive and you can go back and do it again. That is so not necessary. <laughs> and, and we, and, and we know this is like, part of the thing is like, this was a report that came out a few days ago, so we don't have all the details. So right. maybe when this podcast episode comes out, that details have changed a little bit, or it's more, it's worse, it's not as bad. It's still just the fact that if that happened in any regard, it shouldn't have happened at all. If anyone, and, if anyone had to crunch, like that, should not be the industry standard for producing yeah. anything, specifically entertainment. Like yeah. <laughs> you know, and like I, we all want to be entertained. We all want to to see great art, but not at that kind of human cost. Yeah, and I think that to celebrate this art fully, we need to be better about it in general. And I know that, like, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, who are the main writers and producers, like, producing team of these movies, and they're, like, the ones that really spearheaded this whole idea. It's like, I'm sure that they're under, like, high-stress, strict deadlines and all this stuff, but that doesn't matter in the way of... That doesn't matter in the way of like people's sanity right. and like health. And like, I understand they're also should be treated. I'm assuming that they're probably not treated that great above like the people from Sony who are coming probably down on them about it. It's just, it needs to be better all around. And as much as like this movie is a very under kind of like a, a new beast because of all the different animation styles. And it's insane how to put together. I understand that since nothing like this has really been done before, it makes it really hard to gauge how it should be made or how it will be made. But that doesn't mean, oh, well, that makes the the grind much more important. It's like, no, no, right. no. It doesn't, just, it do doesn't it. justify that. Yeah. Okay, it's like work 80-hour work weeks or work 40-hour work weeks, and it comes out a year or two later. 
have people work 40 hour work weeks. They should be able to have a weekend or two days off and, or, and their, and their work will be better for it too. I mean, it's just like the fact of the matter is, is like for as amazing as this, this movie is and is how much we've gushed about it. I just, I wonder what was then also compromised because of the effects of crunch. So something to think about listeners at home, you know, unionize your workplace. Don't put up with that kind of shit. Yep. And, I mean, at, at at the end of the day with it, it's just like, I do hope that the situation with this movie is that it does, like, create a animators, VFX artist strike, because this has also been a problem with a lot of VFX artists with big budget movies like Marvel, DC, all these things where they're just having to, like, crunch these things out and they don't have time to actually, like, make them. So... It's, I, I'm fine if, if, if a strike happens and we have a huge delay on a bunch of movies because I'd rather have people have better working conditions than me get entertaining movie. Right. On like a six month cycle. It's just like fully agree. I have nothing yeah. else to add. No notes. Yeah. No. Uh, just ask me address because like still see the movie, still support the art, still support animation. Just understand that like you can support the art while still holding the the people that fund the art and they're in charge of it to higher standards. 100%. I appreciate all of you and appreciate the listeners to listening to our voices for this long, especially on an episode like this where we've gone longer than Puss in Boots, which I was trying to avoid, but it's a very good movie. So it's, it's hard. It's hard to, it's hard to dial it back. Maybe we'll split this into two parts and we can get review bombed as well. (laughs) All right. Well, Uh, I appreciate everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Aspect Ratio. I'm the Raj Academy, and this is... Spooky Deer. Thanks Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.